Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next guest on Face to Face is Leslie Mayer, and we talk about her new film, Losing Our Religion. It's a feature-length doc about preachers who, who are no longer believers, who, who've lost the faith, as it were, and, and it's about what atheists do when they actually miss church. What, what do they do? What do they create? How do they, how do they find that community uh, once again? We talk about preachers who aren't believers. We talk about atheism and non-belief. We talk about something called the clergy project and what it actually means to be a humanist Chaplain, and what's interesting to me about Leslie's new film is it's really it really is about community and and what that means and how important it is for all of us. And we talk about nuns and not spelled N U N but N O N E S. And I think you're going to have to listen into the interview to find out what we actually mean by that. And it's a fascinating uh, conversation, a fascinating film. Uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it and look for it. Uh, it is on the uh, documentary channel, I think, as you are currently listening to this uh, interview unfold. Uh, don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my speaking and my writing and different things that I'm up to, but more importantly, face-to-facelive.ca for a whole lot of uh, more information about some new interviews and, and old interviews and hopefully engaging conversations, and also rabble.ca as well for a whole slew of other uh, interviews, podcasts, and writing about things that matter. Leslie Mayer coming right up, Losing Our Religion. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by a very special guest here with us today, documentarian filmmaker Leslie Maris with us today to talk about her new film uh, that's going to be premiering very soon uh, on a variety of different platforms called Losing Our Religion. Leslie, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks very much for having me. It's, it's kind of hard to know what the film's about based on the title. Well, it, it is. <laughs> really, the film turned out to be about two different things. Oh, okay. Um, it's, you know, when people say, well, what is your film about? I usually say, well, it's about preachers who aren't believers and what atheists do when they miss church. Mm. 
you know, they're, they're two separate yet actually really connected issues. So they both revolve around atheism and, and non-belief, and that's, so that's kind of our, our jumping off point. Right. And is that, so, so you know, as I've spoken over the last, I'd say, four or five years to, well, I guess I can say now, hundreds of documentarians, not, not everybody starts out thinking, okay, this is, this is where we're going, this, I, know, I know how this trajectory is going to work, I, I kind of have the narrative arc in place. Did you know what you were up against? Did you know exactly where you wanted to get to? I had an idea of where I wanted to get to. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we, uh, we worked with um, Documentary Channel and the, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Cowley, the commissioning editor there. And Bruce and I talking about it, he said, you know, the best thing would be if you could find someone who's actually going through, um, you know, things in real time and finding out, um, you know, uh, and, and being able to follow that. And I kind of went, I don't know if I can find that. That's going to be really hard because these guys are all anonymous, right? Right. And so I thought, well, maybe I can, maybe I can't. And uh, it wasn't until fairly late in the process that we did actually make contact with someone who was not only going through um, the throes of being in the pulpit and finding his way out and was willing to let us in to, to follow that along. So, you know, so we did a bunch of other stuff at the same, you know, ahead of time. We sure. talked to our experts. We talked to the secular communities. We, we'd kind of gone down that road, and, and then when this happened, it, it just kind of changed things a little bit. So right out of the gate, though, you knew you... Did you want to just make a film about religion when you started out, or was it... Did you have some serious questions, just, you know, metaphysical questions about the cosmos, and, and, and this is where you landed, or was it, no, we want to make a film about, about pastors becoming atheists? Well, I'd, I've wanted to make a film about atheism for a long time. Oh, okay. And yeah. I've looked at a couple of different ways to go about it, mm. and, and, you know, a couple of different entry points, and none of them really felt like they were original or unique or or different right and having read about um the clergy project around the you know around the formation of it um or shortly afterwards i, I started thinking about wow now there's a different story sure um being a being a professional christian basically and having to um reconcile that with not being able to believe anymore. Now that's a little different deconversion. It's a little something a little bit different. So I knew I wanted to do something on the clergy project, um, and I really was interested with the idea that some of those clergy project ministers are still looking to be ministers in a way. Right. They still want to do that kind of community work that we normally associate with clergy, but. Uh, some of them are doing it, like like one of the fellows in our film. Some of them are doing it in secular communities now. So that kind of sucked me into that area as well. Well, what's really interesting, you're not going to believe me. Well, you probably will. But uh, I've just recently read, probably within the last six months, Why I Left, Why I Stayed, which is a book by Tony Campolo and Bart Campolo. And, of course, he features prominently in your film. And, mm-hmm. and he's one of the guys who who is doing, it seems, you know, I think he calls himself a humanist humanist pastor doesn't he or i mean he works in a in a, in a university or maybe it's a sec- secular uh, minister of some kind anyway I, th- I found that really intriguing that that these folks who were leaving their their faith their religion behind still kind of like you said wanted to still have this pastoral edge to them yeah uh, bart is really an amazing person um because he didn't 
he didn't join the clergy project when he decided to leave ministry. Uh, he kind of he went it alone, and right. that's something that a lot of people find really, really, really hard to do. Um, but that's exactly what Bart is doing. He's been a humanist chaplain. There you go. That was the phrase yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, at the University of Southern California. He's just recently um, moved to Cincinnati, and he's doing some, some, of, some similar work there. Uh, and I think he's also got a film coming out about him and his dad. So oh. In addition to the book, so you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it. But Bart was, uh, yeah, he was uh, someone that he was kind of on my radar, but kind of not. Right. And when we went to the Sunday Assembly conference um, to, you know, shoot Andrew, uh, Sanderson and Pippa, um, we bumped into Bart, and he gave me such a, a fantastic extemporaneous interview standing <laughs> on the grass that it was like, I have to come out to L.A. We, to right. we got we to gotta talk. We yeah. got to sit down. That's right. <laughs> well, he's just so articulate, right? And he's got such a presence, clearly, that, that comes through. There's a really great phrase that, that, and I think it was Greta who says it at some point in the film, that, that this was just... This was sort of, uh, and I think this is kind of what you're trying to articulate, it, it seems to me, but, but this group of people, these folks who are struggling with these issues of faith, it's, it's, it's about questions that have accumulated over time that they just, are, are, are they not getting satisfactory answers? Is that what it is? Are they, is, is that a fair assessment? You know, I think it's it's an individual experience. Mm. Every single story is just a little bit different, although there, there are some commonalities. And I, I think... It's always been acknowledged that being a minister has a, has a very high burnout rate. Yes. People call on you at the worst time right. in their lives. Yes. Like when, when you've lost a parent or a sure. child. Sure, sure. Yep. Or you've, you, your marriage is in trouble and you need to sit down and talk. Or, you know, all of, you know, or, or someone has an addiction or, or whatever. So you come into people's lives and you, you try and walk them through those hard times. And usually there's a lot of prayer and that sort of thing, or someone's very ill. And I think that a lot of them, it, it's like, you know, the prayer thing and having to kind of stay, go through the motions and say the words and, and seeing not enough result, I think after a while really wears on a person. Mm. And to, to face that, I mean, each of us face those tough times where maybe we sit down and we say a prayer or something like that if we're believers. Uh, or, or those of us, or people who are former believers. I've never really been a believer, so for me, it's a little bit of an odd question. Right. But um, you know, we might experience that personally, but we don't experience it as part of our day-to-day job and existence. Yeah, that, this is like, as you said, a professional Christian. Yeah. 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 Really. yeah. Well, I think it was. I think it was Bard, and I think somebody else refers to it in the film as well. But the the death of a thousand cuts was the phrase that really stuck with me. Coming, and I think that's in in the book that 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 Bard and Tony uh, co wrote. But but was it ten thousand unanswered prayers? Yeah, you know, or it's just heart. It's it's kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? It is. It is, and it's it's really um, you know, and and looking at um, you know our one of our main characters, Brendan's. Uh, feeling of I'm praying for somebody's trip to Vegas, right? And I'm seeing on the right. television, you know, the disconnect things happening to people. And why is your trip to Vegas, your road trip, more important than this parent's plea that my child is safe? 
you know, it, it is really, you know, asking those questions. And most people go into ministry because they are asking big questions. Mm. They want to know the why sure, of sure. the universe. You know, it's, they're all incredibly bright, articulate, well-educated, and, and also incredibly kind people. Right. You know? Yeah, it, you know, I couldn't help but think, think, you know, as I was listening to some of them speak, because it really is kind of, I mean, so, like you said, every very individual, so many different stories. Everybody has, you know, different bridges to get to, 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 to different places, I suppose. But but there's a there's definitely a heartbreaking edge to it. Uh, for me, there was anyway. To, to that that uh, it just makes me wonder if they'd been, I don't know, raised in a different, not in a different family, but with a different understanding or a different worldview if things could have turned out uh, in, in a more more positive way for them at that specific time when they... Because it didn't sound like any of them had a very positive experience, you know, backing away. You know, uh, I, I wrote the word severe down several times, you know, the damage, the pressure, excommunication, the broken relationships. You know, when they stepped away, uh, it was it was pretty severe, it seems to me. Well, it was traumatic. It's mm, a good word, yeah. It's uh, traumatic, and I think that's the word that, that Greta Vosper used. Um, you know, it was traumatic for her and traumatic for her congregation when she let everyone know that I don't actually believe this, this deity thing. Um, I think for some of the more evangelical pastors that I've talked to, the it's, it's almost a loss that's like a death mm. because... They have that very that notion of a very personal relationship with their God, you know, and that this it's regarded as a God. God is regarded, or Jesus is regarded as someone who is very much a presence in your life. And when you can't believe that anymore, you have lost that person that you've regarded as a personal relationship. Right. Uh, so that's really traumatic. Well, you know, Brett, and, then, and then the reactions of the people around you are traumatic too, well, because you're losing your friends. It really seemed to hit home, and Brent, Brendan and Jen, the the couple that you see, you focus on a fair bit in the film. Their story is is really interesting for so many reasons, and to hear him talk about it alongside of her and coming to terms with it and so on. He he said at one point that he didn't choose to be an atheist. I found that fascinating. I do too. I I really do. It it was like he just. He tried and tried and tried to hang on to it for so long because it was so important and so important to Jen as well, mm -hmm. you know, that this is, you know, part of the, had, had been part of the basis of their relationship. And a lot of those marriages do fail. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the time when you walk away from church, you're given a choice between, oh, do I stay with church or do I stay with my spouse? Because mm -hmm. we can't do both. And it's, it's a... It's a tough choice, your community and the rest of your life with this, this person. And if the relationship is not very strong, um, you know, it, it ends tragically. The, um, one of the things that, that really stood out to me was this, this sense, and I guess this kind of ties into our comment earlier about the, the, uh, a lot of these folks wanting to stay, you know, wanting to have pastoral qualities or, you know, st you know, Bart be, being this, this chaplain still, this humanist chaplain and so on. It's about community. I think he asked the question at one point in the film, what, what does community look like on the other side of faith? Yeah. I, I thought that was a pretty interesting comment. Yeah, and, you know, and, and that's the thing that we did find is that, especially for people who had, 
been where church had been a big part of their life life for a long time um, that community was really um, integral to their well-being and that they missed that in a in an enormous right. way when uh, when they walk out of it so um, yeah it's community is something that's that's important to everyone and I think that even a lot of lifelong atheists seek community in ways. They don't necessarily seek it from a philosophical or, or right. religious group, but we do look for community. We, you know, uh, as, as Phil Zuckerman said, you know, I find it in my, uh, with my soccer teammates, you know, or maybe you find it with your stamp collecting club. I don't know. But, you know, for myself as a, as a filmmaker, I know a lot of other filmmakers, I find, I find community with, within, you know, the arts and, and filmmaking communities, but where I know a lot of people, so it's we all look for it in different ways. But these guys are conditioned to look for it in a certain way. Right? Uh, would you say, based on you know, I'm sure you there was there were folks that you left out of the film too, and, and research and so on. Would you say that this is crossing cultures? Would you say that this is something that's happening kind of in the West? Uh, is it? Is it? You know, and I think Richard Dawkins at one point in the film talks about how the clergy project is made up of many, many different faiths and or form, people of former faith. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, they are. There are. Um, uh, there's every major religion is represented in uh, in the clergy project somewhere, and they have members who are imam in uh, Islamic countries where you know being open about their beliefs can be a death sentence. So certainly there are some stakes there, um, Judaism, um, Islam, um, you know, even Hinduism. You know, it, mm. it's, uh, they, they are a worldwide organization. So it's, it's really interesting. We chose to stick to um, Christianity and mostly a North American context. Mm -hmm. I think that it was a little bit easier, I think, for us to, to go to... Um, a subject where Christianity is really the dominant, and right. it's one that we all kind of understand, and you know that there weren't any uh, huge stakes like you could be you could be killed. Right. Although one of our secular communities, I had to shoot around um, one of their members who is a grad student studying in North America, because if we had caught him on film and someone saw it when he went home. Uh, to his home country, he would have been at grave risk. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's it. That kind of thing really hits home how um, how big an issue this really is. Well, I think you know it's so it's I mean it's tragic to me to hear to hear Brendan talk about his own experience at the end of the film, and I think what was the line something to the effect of how the church did his job for him. You know, because he, he talked about, I think he talked about, I, I wrote the note down, neglectful, angry people. <laughs> you know, uh, this was so not the community he, he thought he was a part of, that he was speaking into or, or wanted to be a part of. And that, to me, is ultimately just tragic, no matter, you know, matter what you believe or don't believe. Yeah, and, and actually what's really funny is uh, following up with, with Brendan and Jan later on, after the film was cut and, and that sort of thing, you know, there was a bit of a, a, a schism after they left within that congregation, and they had people who really had cut them cold come back to them and say, uh, yeah, you know what, it's kind of a jerk. I'm really sorry. Can we still be friends? Mm. <laughs> Let's have a beer and a barbecue and, and, uh, and get past it. 
so, you know, people do come around. There are still people that don't want to have anything to do with them that will, you know, see Jen in the grocery store and right. turn around and walk away, that kind of thing. There, you start you start to film out, in, 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 and I think that's that's wonderful, by the way. I'm glad to hear that, that, that people are coming to their senses. Because really, I mean, and again, I think it was Kim Polo's point, it's about a celebration of life, right? It's not about... It's not about shutting that down, and and it's I couldn't help to but see I mean the 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 clergy project was it was it with um I can't remember her Pippa and her Pippa Jones is that her name uh, Pippa Pippa uh, Sanderson Jones and Pippa Evans yeah thank you thank you yeah. so that <laughs> talk about two very passionate and committed people I mean that looked like a church service to me that was going on aren't they know? lovely <laughs> they're just I have to say that was the most fun church service I've ever been to yeah I and bet. I've been to a couple of evangelical ones as well where there was you know a lot of jumping and clapping sure sure but this is a church service that doesn't believe in god right no no <laughs> they sing pop songs and it's like as the Sanderson says we can do it with flash dance that's right that's you right know? i desperately wanted to believe i needed to believe i think is the opening line of your film yeah can you can you talk a bit about that? I mean, I I, I mean, I've studied philosophy all my life. I grew up in a in a in a, in a very evangelical faith based environment, and and so I I kind of come from the the position that says, uh, you know, you 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 have to believe in. I mean, what what did Augustine said? I believe in order to know, you know. And there's, I mean, we all believe in something. It seems, and I wonder, was there because the, you you you. The the the, the ten, I guess the tension of that is uh, what I'm trying to get to is is do did you get that sense from some of these folks? I mean, you you interview somebody like Richard Dawkins, it's just he's very black and white about it. Whereas I didn't quite get that sense from say um, Daniel Dennett. Yeah, you know, I I think well the the needing to believe. I think it was you know being especially because that particular contributor. Um, and by the way, I call them contributors, not subjects, because they're giving me a gift mm. of, of their perspective. Sure. But um, being in the Deep South, uh, you needed to be a part of that. That was that was everything, and you needed to believe. It, it was just, um, you know, maybe the doubt was always kind of there, but no, I, I really needed to, to be a part of this, because if I didn't, what am I hanging on to? Right. You, know, you just feel like you're adrift. Um, Richard, Dr. Dawkins is, um, yes, he's he's very clear <laughs> in <laughs> yes, his approach. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's he doesn't he doesn't think religion is a positive thing. Oh, the the quote. I mean, I laughed out loud. Great evils of the world, and I'd really like to see it die. <laughs> that's pretty clear. It is very clear, <laughs> and and you know, um, I I respect his perspective. I, you know, I don't think that I would just, I agree with him on everything that he, he, that he thinks, but, you know, he's also a lot more open to disagreement than a lot of people think he Right. Would. Interesting. Um, with Daniel Dennett, he is a little bit more, because he's a philosopher by trade and, and that he studies neuroscience and, and philosophy and that sort of thing, he's fascinated by the religious mind. Right. And, and where that goes, and, and, and that that really comes through too. He's such a soft-spoken, sort of unassuming man. Yeah, he's he really is uh, just a lovely person, um, and he he 
as one of the, the four horsemen of the new atheists, he said, you know, he doesn't have to be the strident one because other people have had that covered. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Richard is happy to take that role. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, when he was still around, was happy to take that yes, role. Yes, yes. You know, so he didn't have to. Um, so he he just takes a... I don't think he's any less um, opinionated about right. religion than, than Richard Dawkins. He's his approach is just a bit softer. Yeah, bit, sure, sure. A little bit more soft-spoken. Do you think, do you, I don't know if this question is going to make any sense, but I'm just, I'm, thi- I'm thinking a little bit about, uh, I'm going to have to go back to the book that I read that, uh, I don't know if you've read that book, Why I Left, Why I Stayed, but essentially it's Tony Campolo, his father, deeply evangelical man, you know, committed to social justice. He writes a chapter and then you know, hey, Bart, why did you leave the church and your faith behind? And then Bart responds to his dad. And you can imagine what a a difficult thing that must have been, right, to, to, to sort of work through all that. But yeah. but but Bart Bart lands I, I, uh, lands near the end of the film, and he says, if there's no God, then, then this life is all you have. And I, I can't help but totally 100% agree with him on that, that, that the, the things that we miss as a result of some of these false belief systems that we, you know, that we hold on to. I, I, I wonder if, if they'd been, is, is it God they have a problem with or is it religion? Or are they just one and the same thing for, for most of these folks? You know, I think, I think it's both. Um, I think it's both. Religion, in one sense, I mean, a lot. None of them really were hostile to the idea. No, it doesn't seem church. to be. No, it doesn't seem to be the case. Well, that was the, the what was the great line was I didn't I didn't miss God, I miss church. Yeah, yeah, and and so um, a lot of people, you know, the, they they don't they have a problem with the idea of believing in God. They just don't believe. You know, it's like yeah, I just I I just can't buy that anymore. I can't have that explanation anymore. Um, but um, you know, I think with church, it, it becomes a really difficult place to be a part of if you don't believe. Most churches, uh, West Hill United being the uh, yes. and, uh, Southminster Presbyterian, being the two uh, two notable exceptions. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's a complicated kind of absolutely relationship between the two. And do, would you get a sense, to, or do you get the sense that that you know, Sue so, so comes up in the film that churches are closing, people are leaving in droves, et cetera. I think the stats would certainly show all that to be the case. Is there a shift? Are, I mean, are we going to go more towards this idea of of these these places where people gather, where they build community together with ministers and pastors who don't actually believe, who don't have faith in, in, the, in this, I don't know, this deity that we used to believe in? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, it could be that we do. Uh, and and or it could be that this is just these communities are a stopgap on the way to something else. I, I don't know. What's really clear from the numbers is that the the N O N E S is the nuns mm. are really starting to happen, and it's more with the millennials uh, mm. than with the older generations. It, you see that shift is, you know, we're we're seeing the shift happening faster and faster, and it's it's going to happen. You know, if you look at the the stats that Pew Research has, has put together. Now, not all of those nuns, the ones that check off no religion, not all of those are atheists, necessarily. Right. Lots of those people are just, ah, I just really haven't thought about it. Right. You know, or, eh, right. I don't go to church anymore, so I'll just check no. 
um, you know, some of those people are just simply agnostic. I just, I just don't right. really know, and I don't really care, one way or the other. As a uh, as a filmmaker, what what did what did I always do? I don't ask this of every every documentarian, but what did what did you learn, or or what did you not know maybe going in, or <laughs> or what was that huge surprise for you? You know, because this is a pretty interesting topic and pretty volatile potentially, I would think, and and and. And, and, and quite controversial for some, like you say, it's 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 everything for some people in some parts of you know the West, well, some parts of the world. But but uh, yeah, what 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 was the big aha moment? Or there pro- probably were more than one. It it surprised me. One thing that surprised me was how deeply traumatic it was mm. for them to walk away, and or or to admit to themselves that they didn't believe that this was such a big deal. And you know, I, I guess because I come from a United Church background where everything's pretty laissez-faire and you know, right. pretty short walk from... Right, <laughs> right. You, know, you guys don't believe anything anyway, do well, you? Hardly. <laughs> but apparently, according to the United Church, they do now. That's so pretty funny. That's a, that's a funny line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we, we kind of, you know, for me, it was always just kind of a, yeah, okay, you take it or leave it. For a lot of these people, this was a really, really, really huge deal, and it was really based on, in so much of their personal identity and the right. depths of that, uh, you know, and, and the the pain of that really um, surprised me to a degree. I, I thought of it; it was going to be painful for people, but not to the degree that it was. The other thing that surprised me um, was how much fun secular communities. <laughs> Because really, they're, uh, you know, West Hill church service that I attended when we were shooting there was was great. You know, um, Sunday assembly, Sunday morning rave, what could be more fun? Flashing lights and music right. and funny stories. And it was, it was fantastic in Houston Oasis, that how welcoming and open and, and lovely it was to be in a group of people that you could completely relate to in that way. So those, those were all kind of surprising to me. I love, I love the, sadly, we're going to have to wrap up the conversation here shortly, but I love that we, we kind of end in, in relationship. We end in community. We, you know, Mm -hmm. we end with Bard and this, this idea of this, you know, meaning, meaning, finding meaning and celebration in, in others. And, and, uh, it's, it's kind of a beautiful place to be. One of the things I took, you know, from the film was the, and I think it came through largely, um, um, while Jen was speaking, Jen, Jen Murphy mm-hmm. and, and just listening her to, to her speak and to talking a little bit about that emotional abuse and, 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 or what you might call even spiritual abuse and just thinking about that darkness and about the, um, I don't know, whoever it was that unwillingness to, to, to validate her. And to love her and to affirm her and to encourage her and to include her. And I just, whatever we can do to stop that in whatever form, wherever it is, is, is the right way forward, if, oh, you, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, and, 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 you know, I'm really glad to hear that because for me, uh, you know, the, the takeaway here is that we all need community. We, mm. we are social creatures. Yeah, and we so good. And we find ways to connect to one another. And I think in a world that's, that's really globalized and that, you know, we've got the internet and we've got all of these other, you know, things where where you can be kind of disconnected from people around you, even if you're connected electronically to people elsewhere. Um, 
the idea of real nuts and bolts, you know, right in front of you, community is, I think, um, I think it's important. I think it's an important thing to look at. Absolutely. And, and find, <laughs> if we can. And find, <laughs> and look for it, search for it. Yeah. Yeah, hunt it, yeah, find, find it where it exists. It's, 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 it, you don't have to go far, it seems to me. No, no, there you find them right under your nose if you look. You just have to look up from the phone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Tell me a little bit about where the film's going to be running and, and living ultimately, where people can get to see it. Uh, okay. Well, we have uh, theatrical dates happening. Uh, we start in Winnipeg this weekend at uh, the Winnipeg Cinematheque. Uh, uh, I will be there with, along with my co-director, Leif Calder, on uh, Saturday, September 30th for the evening screening. And then the following weekend, we uh, open up at the Carlton Theatre in Toronto, and we will be at, uh, we run from the 6th of October through to the 12th, and we will be there on the evening screenings for the 6th and 7th. Oh, fantastic. And Linda Lascola and Catherine Dunphy will be with us for both of those screenings. Oh, that's great. So that's great. And then we'll be in Regina, Saskatchewan, my hometown, where I'm originally nice. from, uh, the following weekend, uh, and we'll be there on October 13th for a Q&A. Um, Leif and I will, will, uh, will be there. A little bit of a tour. And then, and then you're yeah. going to be on the documentary channel on the 15th of October, isn't it? That's right. We air on, on documentary uh, on the 15th of October. So that's our, our big air date where anybody can tune in and see it. But we're also looking at trying to uh, put together community screenings. Oh, okay. If somebody wants to have a get-together uh, or something like that, we have, uh, we have ways of setting up those kinds of screenings so they should get in touch with us. Well, I think they should get together. They should sing a few songs um, and maybe serve some food and watch Losing Our Religion. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's all sing about Flashdance. That's right. <laughs> We've been talking with Leslie Mayer today about her new film, Losing Our Religion. Leslie, fascinating film. Thank you so much, and what a great conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thanks. It's been a real pleasure. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend the Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>